now, hashtag JobKeeperWarrior. We catch up with him every Tuesday. Andrew Lee, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. Great to be with you. Thank you, mate. You too. Uh, look, uh, the Prime Minister I see today has had his speechwriters uh, performing miracles in uh, the Daily Telegraph. Australia will not force resources and agricultural industry to close and will incentivise heavy manufacturers to lower emissions under the federal government's plan to reach net zero by 2050. The PM says Australia will reject any mandate to force the closure of industries. Now, this is news to me, considering I thought we hadn't had the detail yet of what nationals and... um, (laughs) and Liberal MPs have been discussing behind closed doors. Albo was on the program yesterday having a bit of a swipe at Cole Pitt, I'm sorry, Keith Pitt, on the program. <laughs> He's, <laughs> he, of course, has been given a, a pay rise, as we're still yet to hear the Coalition's long-awaited plan to make Australia carbon neutral in less than 30 years. Of course, it'll be a part of the goodie bag that Scott Morrison takes to Glasgow. What do you make of it all? Well, it's always the way with the Morrison government, isn't it, Marcus? Uh, big announcements, lots of ads, no follow-through. Uh, I mean, Australians know that uh, the biggest danger to the farming sector is climate change itself and the rise in droughts and extreme weather events, the unpredictability of rainfall. Uh, we ha- Our agricultural sector has a huge interest in being part of the solution on tackling dangerous climate change. Uh, we've got uh, plants flowering earlier every year. We've got the limits of agriculture shrinking back towards the coast. Global temperature rise of 1.2 degrees for the world, but 1.4 degrees for Australia, again showing that we're particularly vulnerable. Well, we don't have any of the detail around uh, what the government plans to do. Uh, and no sense that they're, they're grabbing the potential future here, Marcus. Uh, and when you think about how we might compete with the rest of the world, well, you can either do it by uh, competing on wages, and drive, being a, a low-wage country, or you can compete on energy prices and be a cheap energy country. I certainly know which one I'd rather be. Yeah. Look, uh, all the talk has been about net zero by 2050, but won't a lot of the discussion uh, in Glasgow be about you know, cutting back emissions by 2030, by the end of, of this decade, rather than 2050? I mean, if you talk about 2030, we have next to no policy. And you've completely nailed us. I mean, 2050, net zero by 2050 is, for most countries, a policy they signed up to years ago, uh, done, dusted, settled. Now, that's how every state and territory in Australia regards it, how the major business peaks regard it. The conversation in Glasgow is going to be, what have you, do, what have you announced to do by 2030 and how are you going to step up your ambition? Uh, we know when we look around the world and we look at what policies countries have announced that they're not sufficient to keep the world below that Paris target of limiting warming to two degrees or less. And so countries are going to look for more ambition. And I think they're going to find Scott Morrison sadly, sadly wanting. All of his uh, sort of empty rhetoric is going to fall apart in the face of people like Boris Johnson and uh, Joe Biden who have taken serious action on climate change. And these conservatives who've worked on this. You know, you look at Angela Merkel, a conservative leader in Germany, been serious about climate change for all the time that Scott Morrison has been fear-mongering, spinning and doing nothing. All right. um, What happened late last week in the House of Representatives that had your lot uh, so frustrated. Uh, It's to do with Christian Porter. There was some kind of uh, standing order that was being challenged. Effectively, uh, as we know, we are a democracy. 
last time I checked, uh, Andrew, and it means that, you know, op- uh, opposition MPs and those on the crossbench, etc., from whatever party, should be allowed to question the government. But don't we have ongoing issues here where the member is no longer heard? The government has constantly shut down debate, Marcus. You know, for a government that uh, bangs its chest about free speech, they're uh, awfully uh, happy to uh, shut down opposition members when they're speaking. Uh, and the debate last week went directly to an issue that I think all Australians should be concerned about, which is uh, the transparency that prevents corruption. Uh, one of the ways in which we ensure that uh, people aren't on the take in politics is we require gifts over $300 to be disclosed. I have to do that. Every other one of the other 151 members of the House of Representatives has to do that. But now Christian Porter thinks that he can make an end run around that with what Tony Burke's called a brown paper bag sewn together by lawyers. Uh, this idea that he set, sets up some sort of a, a vehicle into which people dump money and uh, that, that vehicle pays his legal costs. You know, it's just outrageous. And if this is allowed to continue, then you can imagine anyone putting money into that, whether it's uh, uh, crooks or people, people wanting to, uh, to, to bribe or manipulate parliamentarians. Uh, and yet the government's voted against sending this to the Privilege Committee, voted against uh, referring Christian Porter's behaviour there. Uh, so we're going to continue to pursue it because that's what Australians expect us to do. Uh, now, I know you're probably uh, unable to answer this, but uh, do you, does your mob have a, a, a fair idea where this money has come from? None at all. I mean, people have uh, speculated about uh, rich listers in uh, Western Australia and beyond, but uh, people don't really know, and, and they have a right to. Now, if I was uh, receiving uh, receiving gifts from a billionaire, you'd know about that. They would be uh, listed, listed on the parliamentary register, and that would be true whether they were giving the money to me directly or paying my legal bills. Mm. It just can't be allowed to stand, Marcus. It's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't uh, certainly don't think the Prime Minister is corrupt, but he is willing to tolerate a, an arrangement which could enable corruption. Well, then why is this occurring? Uh, why can't the standing orders, uh, I think it's standing order 80, why can't it be challenged effectively? We don't have a majority in the House of Representatives, okay. and uh, all of the all of these uh, House of Reps members on the Liberal side have voted to uh, uh, not have the matter reserve, referred to the Privileges Committee. All right. Well, where does now, Pauline? Many of them pretty uncomfortable about it. I mean, they've spoken spoken privately to newspapers mm. saying they're uncomfortable about it, but when it comes to Parliament, they vote with Scott Morrison. What about Pauline Hanson and her mob? Uh, she, could, she could certainly uh, make waves in the Senate, but that's not going to change okay. the way in which the House Privileges Co- Committee behaves. Sure. So, yes, I mean, we, we would like to, uh, to get through a National Integrity Commission, but again, that requires a, a, a government that is committed to integrity, and that ain't the Morrison government. All right, so obviously, I mean, ob- I know Pauline's a senator and Malcolm Roberts, but there's nothing that really anybody can do in the House of Reps to, to have this changed. No, we just need uh, Scott Morrison to uh, to actually do the right thing. And, uh, you know, what he did last week, Marcus, was unprecedented. You know, never in the history of the Federation has the Speaker said there's a prima facie case for this to be referred to the Privileges Committee, and the House of Representatives has said no. Uh, every other time when the Speaker has said, better send it to the Privileges Committee, the House has said, absolutely, Speaker, off it goes. Uh, and so this is uh, Scott Morrison uh, being the first person in the history of the Federation uh, to thumb his nose at the Speaker and to thumb his nose at the standards that ensure integrity and prevent corruption.
Well, where does this place Tony Smith then? I mean, he's the uh, the Speaker. He's been lauded in the job. He's the 30th and current Speaker of the House of Representatives and he's, by all accounts, done a, a very good job. Um, but if he's saying that, you know, this money, this, uh, this blind trust should be referred to the Privileges Committee, well, then surely the government needs to listen to him. After all, he is the Speaker. He is, and he's been a very good one, as you say. He's, he's uh, a Liberal, but he's uh, upheld the standing order as well. And so it's a clear snub to, uh, to Tony Smith, the way the government has behaved. Uh, but most of all, it's a snub to uh, the, the, the many Australians who believe that we need an integrity commission. Now, it's not just Labor voters who say that. A majority of Liberal voters would like a, a National Integrity Commission. Uh, and as uh, the events in New South Wales and elsewhere have demonstrated, uh, issues of integrity do arise with parliamentarians, and you need an independent body to, uh, to tackle them. Scott Morrison doesn't want one because he knows that uh, his ministers would uh, would not all be standing if there was a National Integrity Commission. All right. Uh, a federal ICAC and <laughs> the push for one continues. Thank you, Andrew. Good to chat as always. Thanks so much, Marcus.